Welcome to episode four of the Underground Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Brad Schaefer, with my co-host, Colin Reed. And this week's episode, we're going to be breaking down Penn State's game against Buffalo that happened yesterday. Um, it, everything ended well for Penn State, but definitely some things to work on. Final score was 45-13, to 13, and there's a lot to talk about, so let's get right into it. Um, Colin, what would you say is maybe the biggest takeaway you had from Saturday? Uh, I would say the biggest takeaway that I saw was that the offense needs to find their tune early in the game and how we can't wait until the second half to get things going whenever we start to play better football teams and teams that, like, if we fall behind, there's no catching up to them. And yep. You just have to start out of the gate the pace you want to set. Yeah, the offense definitely struggled in the first half. Defense played okay, I would say, in the first half. They gave up 10 points to Buffalo, which isn't ideal. But, uh, you know, both sides definitely cleaned it up a lot in the second half. Um, another big thing that, that I saw was our inability to get, like to convert on third down, um, two for nine on third down conversions week one against Idaho, we were one for nine. So that's definitely a problem that needs to be worked on. Um, I don't know if it's a play calling issue or a confidence issue for, you know, Clifford or any of the offensive players, but those third down conversions end up, you know, being a really big deal for for teams in big games, and we need to need to work on that as the season goes on. Yeah, definitely whenever you start to play better teams and your drives are few and far between, definitely making them longer and extending, getting field goals or even play, pushing all the way to touchdowns, it definitely helps. So like whenever we want to install these drives and keep things going, we have to make, thing, make sure that things are going well against a lesser Buffalo team compared to whenever we're down in Columbus playing Ohio State. Right. Uh, another thing that uh, caused some real problems for us, I'd say, was time of possession. Buffalo dominated in terms of time of possession. Not that that statistic really shows up on the scoreboard as much, but you know when they have the ball for two-thirds or more of the game, um, our defense gets worn down quickly, and they seem to struggle to get off the field. Um, couldn't cause as many turnovers as they would have liked to. But, uh, you know, again, I didn't think the defense played terribly. Um, they definitely struggled against the run game. But, um, yeah, Colin, your thoughts on, on the defense and their their struggles to get off the field on Saturday? Yeah, I, I was going to bring up the time of possession as well, saying how whenever our defense is out there, the offense isn't out there scoring points. Right. So definitely whenever Buffalo's chipping away at the run game, you know, three yards, four yards, just slowly like milking first downs out of it. Yep. That's just ticking time off the clock. And again, whenever we would go play a better team, you know, just letting them be on the field and slowly, slowly putting up points, it's just something that will fall behind and it might not be able to have enough time on the clock to get back on the field and go score. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, Buffalo with 22 first downs on Saturday. Penn State was just 14. To give to give Penn State a little credit for that, though, um, you know, when our offense goes out and, you know, throws a 56-yard touchdown and the offense gets off the field quickly, that definitely is a contributing factor to that statistic. Um, at the same time, though, there's definitely work that needs to be done on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so let's let's shift from some of the negatives that we saw on Saturday to some of the positives. Um, who did you think had a had an impressive performance on Saturday, Colin? Uh, I would say Pat Fryermuth got things going, finding the end zone twice. He seemed to be like a steady stalwart for the offense, just kind of. 
being something like a shoulder to lean on, I would suppose. Definitely. So it was nice to see him out of him. Yeah, Fryermuth, a huge factor in the offense. Um, came in last year to replace Mike Gesicki. Did a fantastic job last year. Uh, one of McSorley's favorite targets throughout the season. And happy to see that he's off to a good start this season as well. I know there were some injury concerns last week after the game, but um, I would I would say he looked at 100% on Saturday for sure. Um, bringing in two touchdowns and 99 receiving yards. Uh, on the same, on the same, uh, you know, way to success. Jahan Dotson had a huge game. Uh, his first touchdown is an Indy line, which is really cool for him, being just a sophomore. And um, he had two touchdowns, 109 receiving yards, and you know, Jahan Dotson and KJ Handler together can do some really dangerous stuff. With such fast wide receivers, there's always that threat of a, a big play. There's always the potential for a touchdown. Um, I think that's like a really good pair with Sean Clifford, who has shown us he has a pretty strong arm at this point. Um, there were definitely a few plays that the ball ended up behind the receivers a little bit, or Clifford may have picked up on the open receiver a little bit late. But again, like having Dotson and Hamler just brings a sense of of panic to defenses, I think. Um, you saw it also with all the, the punts and the kickoffs um, in Idaho and Buffalo. Nobody wants KJ Hamler to return the ball. They, they keep it as far away from him as they can. Um, we saw in, I believe it was the third or fourth quarter, um, James Franklin was even, you know, moving Hamler around a little bit on the kick returns you know, knowing that there is some sort of squib coming and trying to get Hamler the ball. But um, I'm hoping that that doesn't frustrate him at this point. Um, he is such a young, young player, but, you know, he'll get his chances to make returns. The Michigans, the Ohio States, they're not going to, they're not going to be afraid of him. So, you know, we'll hope to see, maybe he'll get a few chances against Pitt next weekend. But, uh, you know, my biggest thing with that is I hope there's no, mental blocks that are going in for him at this point. Um, but back to Clifford real quick. Uh, Collins, your th- Colin, your thoughts on his, his performance as a whole? Yeah, I thought Clifford threw the ball real well. I mean, he only had six incomplete passes. He threw for 280 yards, four touchdowns, and mm-hmm. he only got put on the ground three times, sack-wise. So that's not bad. You know, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. So you can't. what more really can you ask from him? He's fine in the end zone when you ask him to. He's completing passes, you know, mm-hmm. not turning the ball over, and doing exactly what you want from him. Yeah, I agree. I thought he had a, a good enough game that I didn't really lose any hope in him. Um he, he delivered the ball for the most part as well as he needed to. Like I said before, a couple passes that fell a little short of where they should have been. But um, I, I was happy with you know his ability to find the open receiver as often as possible. Uh, there was actually one or two of those incompletions. Like you said, there were only six throughout the game that weren't really his fault at all. Um, Hamler had one right on the, the sideline that was in his hands and, you know, just something happened and it ended up on the ground. But yeah, I was happy with, with Clifford and his performance. Um, little bit concerned. You, you had said previously that, you know, some of the design runs maybe worried you a little bit with him. Uh, despite, you know, that long run that he had to set up the, the, uh, Noah Kane touchdown. Um, 
Can you, if you want to explain a little bit more why those those might worry you a little bit? Yeah, it's just I've never really been a fan of the quarterback runs. Which it's just always something that worries me, the quarterback going down and being the leader of the offense, mm. which I don't mind. Like rolling out of the pocket, he just like decides to tuck it and run it and go. Like I obviously love that, but I'm more of a fan of kind of keeping him protected a little bit more and limiting the times he gets hits and let him throw the ball and let the running backs do the running. Yeah, I mean, we've been, as Penn State fans, we've been accustomed to Trace McSorley and his, you know, idea that he's running the ball hard. He runs the ball like a running back more than a quarterback, and, you know, he's ready to get hit on every play. Uh, It seems like Sean Clifford is willing to run as much as he needs to. James Franklin obviously loves his quarterbacks to run, but uh, I I agree to to a point, I would say, about that. he hasn't shown me anything yet that thinks he isn't a capable runner, but um, you're right. With so much of the the offense weighing on his shoulders, um, the design runs just bring a little bit of risk to to him. But uh, again, like I, I've been pretty happy with his running abilities so far, and um, I, his arm has really proven um, to be as good as as we heard it was going to be preseason. Um, one other thing I, I wouldn't mind bringing up, uh, Jordan Stout, the, the kickoff kicker, and he has, he's done something that a lot of good college football kickers can't do, and he just kicks every kickoff for a touchback, like every single one since week one. That's, that's pretty, um, in, excuse me, pretty impressive. And it just provides the football team and Penn State fans with a sense of comfort, you know, every kickoff, not really having to worry about, you know, a, a return for a touchdown or anything like that. Um, it definitely gives me high hopes if uh, Penn State's ever put in a situation where, you know, a long field goal, maybe a little bit out of Pinnegar's range um, is, is an option. And it, it gives me a little bit of hope. I, I struggle to say that it gives me a lot of hope only because, you know, that's an easy way for my heart to get broken as a Penn State fan. But, uh, Colin, any thoughts that you have with, with Stout or special teams in general? No, I thought, like, special teams are doing everything you ask of him. I mean, he's mm-hmm. kicking it through the end zone. They're getting the ball to 25. He mm-hmm. hasn't kicked it out of bounds yet, putting him up at the 40. Yep. So, I mean, he's doing perfectly what you'd expect from him, and there's nothing more you can ask. Yeah, I'm, I am I honestly think one of his kickoffs on Saturday went through the uprights. Um so I, I've been pretty happy with that so far. But, yeah, again, overall, Buffalo is a team that Penn State was expected to beat and beat handily. Um, even with a very slow first half from offense and defense, um, they came out in the second half and, and showed why they, you know, why they were favored by so many. And um, I was really, really happy with the second half and, you know, content with the game as a whole. Um yeah, that's that's pretty much all the the recap that I had for you. We can take a look now going forward. We'll play Pitt next weekend. So this coming Saturday, the fourteenth, Penn State will take on Pitt at home in Beaver Stadium and in front of a stripe out crowd. Should be an exciting atmosphere. There's definitely um, a lot of electricity between these two teams. Um, you know, a lot of Pitt players may say it's a rivalry. A lot of Penn State players will argue that it's not, but. Uh, Regardless of how you you know categorize it, 
everybody's going to be ready for this game and the juices are going to be flowing. Um, any thoughts that you have, Colin, on the matchup or how you think Penn State will fare in the game? Yeah, I think Penn State should be real confident going to this one. You know, Pitt kind of – they lost to Virginia week one. They just beat Ohio by 10 last week or yeah. yesterday it would have been. But, yeah, I think Penn State, there's not really nothing to be afraid of out of Pitt. I mean, I'm sure they're going to come in with a good game plan and everything, but Penn State, just the more talented team, the faster team, the quicker, stronger. Mm. So it's just they execute their game plan and do what they can do these last two weeks. I think there's nothing to be worried about. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that. I, I think this game falls in a perfect part of the Nittany Lions schedule in that, you know, we have two wins under our belt, two pretty handy wins, but um, I think the team expected to beat both Idaho and Buffalo. And I don't think they'll be coming into this game too cocky. Um, you know, like you mentioned, there's there's definitely some some sort of a rivalry, even if you don't call it that. And this is not a game that Penn State wants to lose because a loss here could really, you know, play a huge, huge factor in the end of this season. Um, but it's the hundredth meeting between the two teams, which is pretty exciting. You know, that's that's a a lot of games and a lot of history that have been built up over the years. It's the last year that uh, Penn State will play Pitt in the regular season for quite a while, actually. Um, the contract that they had signed lasted four years. It started in 2016. So this is the last you know, meeting between the two until at least 2026. Uh, you, know, you can see the Penn State schedules for the next six years online, and um, Pitt's not on it at this point. So, you know, that might bring a little bit more gusto to the matchup, but um, I know some of the Pitt players are excited and, you know, maybe a little bit cocky coming in this one. Um, anything you have to add with that, Colin? Yeah, just scrolling through here, you see junior center Jimmy Morrissey. Don't know much about the guy, to be honest with you, but he said, I don't like them one bit. I mean, that's pretty obvious. I mean, I play for Pitt, and he's excited to play them. So uh, Pitt kind of got going about a little bit. There's been nothing out of Penn State so far. Franklin didn't mention it one bit in the post-game press conference last night. Uh, so, like, obviously he'll talk about it more to this week, but nothing out of Penn State side so far. Yeah, I would say there's definitely a lot more animosity um, on the Pitt side, but um, it's, it's not uh, unrecognized by Penn State. They'll come into this one as prepared as for any other game, so... Um, I'm excited to see how they play. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to miss it, but I'll definitely be watching on TV. But, uh, yeah, I, I think they should handle their business pretty efficiently. And we'll go through just a quick Big Ten update. Um, obviously, you know, a lot of Penn State season depends heavily on how the rest of the Big Ten does in their conference games. So let's take a look at how the other Big Ten teams fared in Week 2. First off, Maryland. Gave a pretty good beatdown to Syracuse, um, 63-20. to Maryland so far with two really good results, and they're turning a couple heads so far. I, I don't know if I'd say I'm you know, too scared of them at this point, but you know, definitely putting up some better results than in years past. Yeah, also Iowa, you know, ranked 20th in the nation, 2-0 two, two and in the year. They beat down on Rutgers, 30 to nothing. Um, you know, not a lot of points scored like quarter to quarter, but just holding Rutgers to a mm -hmm. shutout. That's like the impressive feat that I see out of that. Yeah, definitely. Purdue also got the win 42 to 24 against Vanderbilt. Um, always good to see a Big Ten team beat, you know, another Power Five team 
makes the conference look a little bit better. Um, like you mentioned before, Rutgers lost, and the but overall the Big Ten had a, a great week. Um, we can keep rolling here with uh, the Michigan Army game. Yeah, Michigan being ranked seven, they had a real close scare against Army. It took them to double overtime to pull mm-hmm. out the win, twenty four twenty one. You know, I'd be surprised if Army threw the ball more than twice that game. <laughs> so it must have been the Army run game just slowly churning away at Michigan and just finding the end zone. Yeah, Michigan offense definitely struggling throughout the day. Um, even in overtime, couldn't couldn't get a touchdown in the second overtime, but were able to win it with the field goal. Ohio State put a beat down on Cincinnati, forty-two to nothing. Um, I would say so far, Ohio State's been the most impressive Big Ten team. Um, Justin Fields looks really good at quarterback, but you know Cincinnati, a good team, not a great team. Um, so I'll be interested to see how Ohio State does once their schedule picks up a little bit more. Yeah, Nebraska, they're going to be slipping out of the top 25 as they lost to Colorado 34-31. It looked like a big fourth quarter for Colorado as they put up 24 points to tie it up before winning it in overtime with a field goal. Yep, Uh, Wisconsin had a a pretty simple day, it looked like, against Central Michigan. That one ended 61 to nothing. so not too much to talk about there. Um, But, you know, Wisconsin, another team that, Gives gives some of the top Big Ten teams a little bit of a scare. Yeah, Illinois, they remain undefeated as they uh, beat down on Connecticut 31-23. Put, um, put up a good amount of points on the board, but also let Connecticut find the end zone a few times. Where mm-hmm. Something to worry about later in the year for the Illini. Should Penn State be scared of them? I don't think so. I mean, usually Illinois kind of slips down and mm-hmm. Penn State elevates above them. So it's not something I would be concerned about, but a solid start for the Illini so far. Yeah, and Indiana playing against Eastern Illinois this weekend. Another pretty, you know, concise win from Indiana, fifty-two to nothing. Another game that you know I wouldn't put too much credit in Eastern Illinois, but um, a good win for Indiana, regardless. Yeah, Michigan State being ranked nineteen, they beat down on Western Michigan, fifty-one to seventeen. Obviously, Michigan State, who's been a thorn in my heart the last couple <laughs> years playing Penn State, oh, it's just. Finds a way to tweak the season up for the blue and white, but yep. you know a solid day for them. You know, scoring steady points in each quarter. You know, holding Western Michigan scoreless in the first and third quarters. So obviously, a solid defensive effort for them, and something Penn State should probably be concerned about or keep on the radar going through the year. Yeah, the the green and white Michigan State gives me a little bit of a nightmare every time that I see it. Um, and then to wrap it up in Big Ten play this weekend, Minnesota beat Fresno State. That one went into double overtime as well. Um, but pretty good win for Minnesota. Fresno State's had some decent seasons recently. But, um, you know, again, Minnesota's a team that will have one or two wins each season that, you know, impress you. And then one or two losses each season that really drop your jaw a little bit. Um but yeah, that's that's all that happened in the Big Ten this weekend. We're really excited about everything that um, you know is coming up for Penn State. So uh, we'll be focusing on Pitt this week, and we're excited to see how the season plays out. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday for the next episode.